Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you conversations with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include technology, culture, leadership, and more. Coming to you from Three Pillar Global Studio in Fairfax, Virginia, here's your host, Will Sherlin. Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be looking at the importance of cause with Dr. Jackie Freiberg. Among the topics we'll discuss are how one insurance company, National Life, managed to change their industry, at least in part thanks to being a cause-driven company. We'll also talk about why it's vitally important to define your business's why in this day and age, and we'll look at why employee behavior and overall attitude tend to be wildly different in cause-driven companies when compared with their counterparts. Here with us today to discuss all that and more is Dr. Jackie Freiberg, who along with her husband, Dr. Kevin Freiberg, has written numerous books about how some of the world's most successful companies build cultures that thrive on innovation. Their most recent book is titled Cause, a business strategy for standing out in a sea of sameness. It was published recently and can be found in bookstores around the country. In addition to being best-selling authors, Jackie and Kevin are both sought-after speakers on the subjects of innovation, execution, and corporate leadership development. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Freiberg. Great to be back. Thank you. Absolutely. So let me ask, one of the first things you talk about in your new book, Cause, a Business Strategy for Standing Out in a Sea of Sameness, is the new breed of companies coming about that are purpose-driven and cause-oriented. Not only do these businesses have a positive impact on the world around them, but they also have a better business overall. What were some of the differences you noticed in organizations that have a strong sense of purpose? Oh, great question. So let me back up and let me just first define purpose so that we're all on the same page. One of the things that we're finding is today more than ever, people want to work for and people want to do business with companies that are not just profitable. I mean, we know that's important to stay in business for the long haul, but even as important as being profitable is people want to work for and want to do business with businesses that are purpose-driven, which means they are having a positive impact on society. When people go to work for companies that are purpose-driven, having a positive impact, improving the world within which they have influence, what tends to happen is, you know, they know that when they're giving their all on any given day, exercising their gifts and talents, meeting a goal, creating new and higher, bigger, badder expectations and objectives, what happens is at the end of the day, they know that they're not just doing a job, but they're having a positive impact on their world. And we know more than ever that people are literally exercising their purchasing power in their decision-making skills by saying, I want to go to work for a business that is having an impact. I want to do business with businesses that are having an impact. Yeah. So that's the drive and that's the desire of people today. Okay, got it. And there were major differences in employee behavior and overall attitude when it came to businesses that are also causes. What kind of employee engagement results did you find? 
Well, that's a good question. If you look back at the engagement statistics over the last decade or so, maybe even a little longer, sadly, the engagement statistics or numbers in this country and actually globally, quite frankly, have not changed a whole lot. Most companies are doing anything and everything that they can to measure engagement, but the numbers just aren't changing. What's happening is people are measuring it but they're not doing a whole lot to grow the engagement numbers in the right direction. And part of it is, I think, companies are really good. Businesses, you don't have to be a huge organization. Let's just talk about small businesses. We're really good at telling people what the job is, right? You know, you define the job, you identify the roles and the responsibilities that are associated with that job. And then you also have to encourage people through training and through different sorts of of internal resources how to do that job and how to do it effectively. So we're good at the what is your job and how to do your job. What's the missing component is the purpose. That's the why. The why behind what you do and how you do it. And so the organizations that have clearly identified that why, which is the purpose or the positive impact in their world, are organizations that can say, look, when you come to work and you sell this product and you do it with a consistent level of service that blows the customer away and causes them to say, I want to do business with you and I want my friends and my family to do business with you, that's a good thing. But the reason why people will go above and beyond to deliver a consistent wow type service is because they understand the why behind what they're selling or what kinds of services they're providing. It's that you go back to the simple example that most people know these days, and it's Tom's shoes. When you buy a pair of Tom's shoes, you pay a lot of money for a pair of canvas shoes. The thing is, people will pay that extra money because they know when they buy a pair of shoes, they're creating a statement that says, I'm supporting something global. And that global support is when you buy a pair of shoes, you're giving a pair of shoes to a child in need in a country where perhaps they can't afford it. Those shoes that that child gets are protecting them from disease and illness, life-threatening disease, and those shoes allow that child to get to go to school because without shoes, you can't go to school. So you feel like I got these shoes on that are kind of cool. They make a, a global statement and they're having a global impact. That's the why behind why people will purchase and people will work for companies that are, that are cause or purpose driven. Yeah, it brings to mind the well-known Simon Sinek. I think it was a TED Talk where he talks about companies establishing their why. And his talk is more from a marketing perspective, but I'm sure there's many similarities. So On the inside. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In the book, you describe a cause and effect relationship between a cause-driven company and its financial performance. Can you explain this relationship and how it's manifested? Here again, when people go to work for a company that is cause-driven, they will go the extra mile. They have a bigger, better, more empowering spring in their step. This speaks to engagement. When you know that you're not just doing a job, but your job is having a positive impact on people, on your community, on society, or globally, then you say, you know what, I'm willing to go the extra mile here. So what we find out in these companies that are more purpose-driven and mission-driven is their tenure, people stay 
employed at these organizations for longer. So your turnover is lower, which lowers that cost, and that cost can be outrageous. When you are soliciting employees to come to work for you, we're finding that people are doing more research on the front end. So if you've got a company that has a brand that is affiliated with doing good in the community, people are saying, I'd rather apply for a job at that organization than an organization that's just doing, you know, they're selling the same stuff, they're doing the same thing, but there's really no good that comes out of it beyond it being a job and a paycheck. So we're finding that People will come to work for you and you become a magnet for great talent, not just people, but talent, not just warm bodies, but gifted people. So you become a magnet. You're able to hold on to people. And in addition, when you've got great people who want to work for you, again, your people are going to go the extra mile to serve your customers and clients, to be more innovative, to share their ideas. So the engagement within the organization grows. And when the engagement in the organization grows, there's a leak to the outside, to the customers that you're serving. You are going to be the preferred service provider. So it all makes sense, right? It becomes this continuous loop of good things happening within an organization. And I don't just mean good in the fact that it's, you know, making a difference in the world, but it's, these are profitable things that ultimately add value to the bottom line of the business. Yeah. And you mentioned Tom's earlier. The book also follows the specific journey of the life insurance firm, National Life. How is National Life one of the prime examples of the success of a company with a cause? Well, National Life is in the life insurance Space, that category, that industry. And if you look out over the recent history of that industry, you'll notice that most insurance companies are flat or declining. National Life has not been flat. Their profitability has been increasing. Their in-force insurance has increased. They just got identified as, with an A-plus rating by S&P. So they've got a lot of really great things going for them on the outside. But if you look back at their history, this is a company that started 168 years ago. And what happened is there was a doctor in New England who was treating a man who was very ill. He died. And the doctor had to go to the widow and her children and say, I'm sorry, your husband has passed. And this woman had nothing, nothing to provide for herself or her children. And Dr. Dewey, the gentleman that I'm talking about, literally rode the streets of New England trying to encourage people to buy life insurance. But the cool thing about National Life and the reason why we chose to write about them is they're not just a life insurance company that you have to die to benefit from. This is a life insurance company that has created living benefits riders attached to their life policy. So if you happen to get sick or you get injured, which so many people do these days, you can borrow from that life policy. If you live longer than your nest egg is able to provide for you, you can draw off that policy. So they've become an innovator in the life insurance space by providing these living benefits riders. And what happens is they're serving middle America. Many life insurance companies are only serving the wealthy. That's the low-hanging fruit. Let's go to them because they know they need protection. But it's middle America. It's the school teachers. It's the civil servants in our communities that don't necessarily think they've got the liquidity to provide for life at retirement. 
in national life has really been democratizing assurance. They don't even call it insurance. Assurance for life unexpected or life that lives or life that might be longer than you expect it to be. So they allow people to have a retirement of dignity. They're doing good in all communities that they serve. And their cause is, in fact, to democratize assurance for all people. And they also work hard to ensure that their employees get the spirit of the company and are passionate about the work that they do. Can you speak to why this is so important for every organization to do and how National Life does it so well? Yeah, you know, part of what we have to give employees is certainly that purpose or or that mission statement. And most all companies have a vision, a values, and a mission document. The sad part is, is most employees in many of those businesses, they can't recite those. Maybe there's, you know, 10 values, or maybe the vision statement is three paragraphs long. And it's a pretty document that sits either on the back of your business card, your laminated employee ID or in the wall, somewhere on the walls and in the halls of your organization. When Mehran Asadi joined National Life a number of years ago, they had a vision and they had a mission and they had values. And he said, look, our vision is, it's heroic, it's very nice, but it's, you know, a page long. And so what he and the executive team did is they said, let's make this real. Let's make this actionable for our people. And so they literally broke it down into at least their um, values are three phrases, do good, be good, and make good. And then what we've done is we've worked together to really try and ripple that down throughout the entire organization so everybody within the organization knows that when they come to work, they have to find ways to do good, be good, and make good. And then you want to create a culture within your organization where people feel valued, act like they are adding value, and then they live the leadership principles or the values that have been articulated. So they're making it easy. A lot of leaders, you know, we get into the business of trying to create these documents and we make them extremely complex and everyone wants to have a word in it. And so people are wordsmithing it like crazy until it's perfect. Less is more when it comes to trying to articulate your values and your mission and your vision. And you give three simple steps for businesses starting out and defining a central cause. Define the business as a cause, learn to tell the story well, and invite people to join the movement. Can you break these three down for us a little? Sure. There's a great trust barometer in the United States, and it's the Edelman Trust Barometer, and they actually measure trust levels of people in this country, and not just the wealthy, but middle America. And one of the things that the 2016 Trust Barometer discovered is that 80% of people in the United States do not believe that government can solve our social problems, but they do believe that business can. Yet it's not any business. It's businesses that are profitable and having a positive impact on society. So that being said, If you are a business and you have not articulated the cause that is attached to or connected to your business, you're doomed over the long haul. So identifying a cause, a mission, some sort of social issue that you can add value to or your people can get involved in is critical. Find what that is. 
we're not saying that you have to have global impact like Tom's shoes, but what it does mean is you have to get really good at saying, look, we support these little league teams. We support Habitat for Humanity. We support whatever it is. And then tell those stories, but tell those stories in the lives of your people. When your people are out there affecting change, making a difference, have photographers or bring your iPhones or your smartphones, take photographs, document that stuff, write about it, share it. Because when people live it and experience it, again, there's something about giving back that allows people to come back to the office and say, we did that together. It's a team bonding experience, which again helps engagement. It's making a difference in your world, which again helps engagement. And in addition, you also have to uh, find a way to continuously perpetuate and promote that. So find it, do it, and then document it. Okay, nice. And I'm I'm looking at the cover of the book. It's a a beautiful book with tons of illustrations, nice high image, uh, high quality images throughout. Who's the gentleman on the front of the book with respect all written on his hands? So that was a great experience. His, that is the president and CEO of National Life Group. His name is Mehran Asadi, and he is really a transforming leader who has helped National Life rise out of a sea of sameness in the insurance space, not just through these living benefits products, but through a culture. He and his senior team are absolutely committed to making National Life a best place to work where the best people can do their best work to make their corner of the world better. The Respect All Sharpie that's written on his hands and arms is based upon another movement called Dear World, where Dear World photographs people all over the world to really document a message that people have in them that they want to share with the world. And then they'll take photos of whatever message is important to you and then spread those all over either the country or globally. So Mehran and his team at National Life actually had Dear World come to their organization and invited all employees to come up with, if they had one chance to deliver a message to the world, what would that be? And then you share that with a colleague That colleague takes a Sharpie marker, writes it on your skin, and then you get a photograph done and you get to share your message with the world. So they are, in fact, doing stuff to not just engage people in the insurance space, but when you bring in a group like that and allow your people to have that kind of vulnerability and authentic conversation internally, you're building relationships. And there again, that grows engagement and teamwork and collaboration. And that inspires innovation, ideas being spread at all levels and all places of an organization. And people are more connected. And when you're connected to the people you work with, you never want to let them down. So you're going to work harder and you're going to work smarter. And one of the kind of call out pieces of copy that I like from the book is that great companies help people find the heroism or the heroism in their work. What do you mean by that concept? And and what are some ways that companies can maybe look to do that to help their employees stay engaged? Great question. Again, you know, you don't have to be serving globally to be heroic. I think what you do is you say, let's connect our products and our services to to something that matters in our community or in our state, so to speak. 
And then you find ways to engage your people in realizing that everything they do at work will then trickle out to something bigger and bolder and more impactful. So as an example, I work with a client in San Diego, and it's a company that serves credit unions all over the country. And one of the things that we're doing is we're creating an event at the beginning of this year where we are going to talk about the importance of purpose and mission and giving back. And then we're going to engage the employees in a big group activity. And we've got two different ideas on the table, actually three. One is you build bicycles for children who can't afford those bicycles. So the bike building experience becomes a team building initiative where people get to problem solve and build and work together to create those bikes. And then you take the bikes to the children who have no idea they're getting bikes and you get to see the impact that you have on their life. That's one thing we're looking at. Another thing is we can't take everybody to, you know, a, a, an international location and build a home for Habitat. But what we can do is we can build a playhouse and you can build a playhouse on site as a team. And again, it's team building collaboration. It's problem solving. It's unification. It's growing engagement on the inside have an impact on the outside. And then the other alternative that we're looking for is there's a an organization that will allow you to build a prosthesis. And again, as a team, you build that and then you deliver those prostheses to people that are in need of them and can't necessarily afford them. So those are the kinds of things where you rally people, you get people connected to doing something together. And that something that they're doing together isn't just a softball game, but it's an initiative that actually adds value to someone's life and improves their life. And at the end of the day, when you walk away and feel like you've done that, how can you not feel heroic? Yeah, definitely. So we were talking a little bit before we got the podcast recording started about the book being in airports around the country. Congratulations on that. Where else can people find it if they're not traveling? Thank you. Yeah, it's Barnes and Noble. It's Amazon. It's your local independent bookstores in its airport locations all over the country. It's available there. And if you want to buy bulk, you just go to our website. But we're delighted to have it um, in the marketplace and hope people will grab a copy because it's not just about an insurance company. We've highlighted a lot of cool companies in that book. And it's really about building a business that people want to work in and building a business that people want to do business in. And there are principles that are transferable across industries. Yeah. And so we've talked a lot about national life and you mentioned that there are other companies you feature in the book. Is there one or two others that maybe you might want to mention as we wrap things up? We highlighted Pepsi. We highlighted Lululemon. And we can't help but talk about Southwest Airlines a little bit because that's really where we cut our teeth. We wrote the book about Southwest Airlines about 25 years ago. So there's lots of interesting organizations that we've highlighted in there that are not just profitable, but they're also mission and purpose driven. Southwest Airlines started more than 40 years ago not to put cheeks in seats and get people from one destination to another. That company was founded on the principle of democratizing flying in America. They wanted flying to be affordable to all people. And then from there, we went international and talked about a company in India called Tata Motors. And they um, literally innovated a car that was a $2,500 people's car. They democratized the roads in India so that all people could have affordable all-weather transportation. And then when we peaked on our national life, we went, wow, they're democratizing assurance. They're making insurance 
available to all people, not just wealthy people, not just people who die, but all people. And we thought, wow, we're coming full circle. So we've done a little bit of referencing those stories in cause as well. But for the most part, it's really cool companies that you can borrow from. Okay, very nice. Again, the book is called Cause, A Business Strategy for Standing Out in a Sea of Sameness. Beautiful treatment throughout. Thank you so much for coming on again, Dr. Freiberg, and talking about the latest book. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Jackie Freiberg, you can visit Jackie and Kevin Freiberg's website at freibergs.com. That's F-R-E-I-B-E-R-G-S.com. You can buy a copy of their latest book on the website and in bookstores around the country. If you'd like to follow them on Twitter, Kevin and Jackie have a shared Twitter handle, at Kevin and Jackie. That's Jackie with an I-E. The Innovation Engine podcast is produced by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Go to our website at www.3pillarglobal.com to find out more about our services. You can subscribe to the Innovation Engine through the iOS podcast app, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. And you can also ensure that you never miss an episode by going to 3pillarglobal.com slash podcast. There you can sign up to receive fresh new episodes of the Innovation Engine in your inbox each time one comes out. You can also download our very own iOS app designed and developed in-house here at 3Pillar by searching for the Innovation Engine in the iTunes App Store. If you like what you hear on the Innovation Engine and you live in the world of product and software development, you may like our sister podcast, Take 3. You can find Take 3 at soundcloud.com slash take3pillar with the number 3 or on iOS devices by searching for Take and the number 3 in the podcast app. On each episode, my partner in crime, Julia Slattery, talks with two Three Pillar team members to get quick takes on the trends, technologies, and tools that are changing the way software gets made and business gets done. 